What's up, Antioch? My name is Stephen, and you are listening to the Antioch Dallas Sermon Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we just want to encourage you to check out our website, AntiochDallas.org. We have a couple things on there that you need to know about, and that is our event calendar, as well as the This Week at Antioch. We are sending out a weekly update to show you what's going on in the life of our church, and we want you to be a part. So make sure you go check that out. Today's message is titled, His Spirit Fills. This is a message from Pastor Zach, our lead pastor, and we're still in our series called Saturate, where we're learning what it looks like to be authentic disciples of Jesus. And so thanks for listening, guys, and we hope to see you next week. From the launch of our church, we have had a vision to join in with Jesus's work of saturating Dallas with the goodness of the gospel. But why is this so important? When the gospel saturates a city, spiritual renewal happens. People become more generous and empathetic. Families flourish. Vibrant communities are built. Race relations are more healthy. Works of mercy and compassion for the poor are invigorated. Schools are strengthened. Healthcare becomes more holistic and healing, and businesses are more creative and humane. When the gospel saturates a city, God is known and cherished and people flourish. And this is where you come into the story. As a church family, we want to renew our commitment to this vision and the values that undergird it. You have a meaningful part to play as we join with Jesus in saturating Dallas with the goodness of the gospel. Today's Old Testament reading is from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison door to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Today's New Testament reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Jesus said in Acts 1, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth.
Amen. What rich scriptures on the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to be talking about today as we take another step in looking at the values or the passions of an authentic disciple of Jesus. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit fills, His Spirit fills. I'm really excited to share this with you. It's one of my favorite uh, topics to speak about, but I'll be honest with you, it's one of the more challenging issues to address in a church with a lot of different diverse backgrounds and experiences and perspectives on the Holy Spirit. But I'm excited to dive in, and the reason I am is I want you to turn to uh, John 16, and I want to read with you the words of Jesus on the Holy Spirit that really are inspiring and, and, and draw out a hunger in our hearts as to why we need to grow in our understanding and experience as a people of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John 16, verse 7, he's speaking to his disciples, he's speaking to the followers of Jesus, uh, and he's saying this, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's shocking to think about. It's startling to think about. It's like, really? Like, it's better? Like, I'm a disciple. Wouldn't it be better if you were just right here with me, Jesus? And he's saying, no, it's better. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And at least makes you wonder, like, wow, what, what might the Holy Spirit do in the life of a disciple? What advantage might he bring? I mean, it seems like a pretty big advantage to have Jesus right by our side, right? And Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to send you the Spirit. And it's to your advantage that he comes to you. That's inspiring, and we need to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, many of you uh, know that I used to be a teacher. And one of my favorite years, I taught in a, a school that was for kids who, because of personal or family reasons, could no longer stay in their homes. And they went to live in this group home. And at this group home, uh, they kind of divided the kids up. Those that they thought could flourish in public school would go uh, to the public school in that city. And those that because of their own kind of learning gaps or emotional disorders, uh, things going on in their life, wouldn't do well. In a public school, they sent them to a little school on the group home. And I was a middle school math teacher in this uh, school for uh, these kids, and I loved it. I have a heart. God's given me a heart for kids from rough uh, backgrounds and environment. So I was teaching middle school math. Just a word, if you're in here and you're in middle school, life gets better. Life gets better than seventh or eighth grade. I promise. Just hold on a little bit. And there are many of us that could affirm that. Well, I was teaching middle school. That's challenging. I'm teaching math, which is one of those subjects that some people just get it. And it's like, boom, my mind works like that. But for many, it's like, oh, this is really hard. Why do we need to know this stuff? And then I was teaching kids with a variety of backgrounds and understanding. So you had gifted kids in there. Probably if they were in the normal school would have been in the advanced classes, were gifted and talented. But because of something in their personal life, something going on with them, 
Though they understood the material, uh, they just had some challenges in the school setting. So you had kids like that that were the smart kids that could just explain everything going on. You had kids that were kind of on grade level, uh, but for one reason or another, maybe they never did their homework or they didn't really pay attention. They, they just kind of got by. You had those kids. And then you had kids that because of either family situations or their own personal situations had such gaps in learning because they'd been in and out of school all of their formative years, we're doing eighth grade math and they're still working out two plus three on their fingers, right? And you've got kids the whole spectrum in between. As a teacher, it was an incredibly rewarding year, but it was also very, very challenging. I realized when I was thinking about this week and talking about the Holy Spirit, that concept or that classroom experience uh, is very similar to our church today. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, some of you are very gifted. Some of you, this is, makes sense. It's just the way your brains are wired. You've grown up in very healthy uh, environments related to the Holy Spirit. Others of you grew up in the church but the extent to which the Holy Spirit was talked about was little, if at all. He was kind of the silent partner in the Trinity, right? And so you're like, we've got God the Father, we've got God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I don't really know uh, who he is or what he does, other than sometimes he would say, well, I got goosebumps. That was the Holy Spirit, you know, giving me those goosebumps when you hear an incredible story. Or I got a parking place at the front of the shopping center. The Holy Spirit was just really at work or, you know, stuff like that. And you're like, is that really what the, the Spirit does? Um, you know, so that might be where, where you're from. Others of us, uh, when I start talking about the Holy Spirit because of where you're from and what you've been through, the way that, you know, some of your experiences, you're like, oh, no, I was just starting to like this church. Now we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I just, uh, one of my mentors said, I've got some scorched earth area, like area in life that's just been a little burned by some experiences and I don't like to go there, right? And we've got everything in between. And then you might be like me, you either grew, didn't grow up in church or you would go to church, but you wouldn't pay attention. Your mind would be elsewhere. And you're like, Holy Spirit, I'm kind of a blank slate. Don't really know what you are talking about, right? And we've got all of those in here. I just want to point that out. I want to point that out. And what I learned in that classroom experience teaching math from a wiser teacher than myself, there was a need for a teacher to explain and to teach basic concepts. And then the way that everybody got an opportunity to flourish was actually to do something that I thought was counterintuitive. It was to break the class up into groups and not just kind of put the smart kids over here and the average kids in the back and the slow kids over here. And no offense to this section over here. Um, <laughs> but it was actually to put the kids in mixed ability groups to put one of the, the smarter kids and one of the kind of grade level kids and then one of the kids that just felt behind and actually to put them in a group together. And the gifted kids would bring a certain level of strength to the group and they'd be able to explain things in a way that helped connect the dots uh, for a seventh grader or an eighth grader. And the grade level kids, they would add a unique perspective because oftentimes they added stability and, and even a sense of humor at times. And the kids that were behind, they asked really good questions that helped everyone in the group clarify 
what was meant by certain terms or expressions, or mathematical equations. So when you grouped them all together and you gave them work to do, they worked together and they all grew. They all got better. They all got stronger in the area of math. And then you would give them, we would, we'd give them assignments that connected it to the real world. They were in charge of learning how to uh, balance a bank account or how to start a business and using math to figure out the money they need to get things going and what they need. So, and they'd work it out together and they would grow. And, and I want to apply that same metaphor here. Today, I'm going to provide some teaching related to the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think the best way to work this out is to take what you're given here today and then work it out in a group. Uh, we call them life groups, but it's a community where you're going to have some people that feel like, man, this is an area where I feel like I have some strength to offer. Others that are kind of like, well, I kind of know, I kind of know and experience some things. And then others of us that are like, I, I've got some big gaps. And as we work it out together, we all get an opportunity to learn and to grow and to develop as disciples of Jesus. And then as we take it from mere just kind of talking and reviewing concepts, which is important, it's a great foundation, but we put it into action. We put it into real world uh, experimentation and trying stuff and growing and ministering in the spirit. Then we really, it comes alive and it becomes a place of strength for us as a people. So that's what my hope is today. I'm going to provide the teaching, but I want to encourage you to take this and to go to your group and to work this out together. Sound good? All right, well, let's get started with what do we know about the Holy Spirit, right? Many of us, when I say that, you might think like Star Wars, like the force, you know, that helps them fly planes and fight bad guys and throw lightsabers across the room. That's super cool stuff, in my opinion, but that's not what we mean when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Others of you might think of like Casper the Friendly Ghost, because you've heard people say the Holy Ghost. And so you're like, oh, it's like Halloween. Are we talking about paranormal stuff? No, let's clarify what we mean when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We went over the Nicene Creed this morning, uh, one of the essential guides to the faith that summarizes the teachings of the scripture. And I want to turn your attention there and help us to understand who the Holy Spirit is. So if we can uh, pull that up, here's what the Nicene Creed teaches us about the Holy Spirit. It says this, And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. This is a great place to start in this summary of what the Bible teaches on the Holy Spirit. Note that it said that the Holy Spirit is the Lord, meaning the Holy Spirit is not a junior kind of version of God, but the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. He's a member of the Trinity. He is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This spirit is Lord over all, and he is a giver of life. The spirit gives us life. The spirit takes from what Jesus has done for us, and he brings it to life in our life. He helps us to live all that God has for us, helps us to walk in all that God has for us. He's the giver of life. This is why Jesus said, hey, it's better for me to go away because I'm going to send to you the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And note there that that's a personal pronoun. 
He proceeds. The Holy Spirit has personal attributes. It's not a force. He is not a force, right? He's not an it. He's not a ghost. But he has personal attributes, a personality. He's relational in nature. He can be known. He can be experienced. He can be walked with is one of the metaphors the Bible gives. And that he is to be worshiped and glorified. What does it mean to worship and glorify? It means to celebrate. It means to enjoy. It means to lift up. It means to honor. He can be worshiped and he's to be glorified in our midst. Man, that gets me excited about the Holy Spirit. One of the places we see him at work in the Bible is speaking through the prophets, right? The Holy Spirit speaks. That's a good place to start in our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. I'll give you another one. This is from an early Christian father named Arrhenius, and he said this, the Holy Spirit is one of the two hands with which God once created and still recreates mankind. The Holy Spirit is one of the two hands. You've got Jesus, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, one of two hands that God used to create and even recreate, even now, mankind. A third quote that I found interesting, this is from Dr. Gordon Fee, one of the leading scholars on the Holy Spirit today. He said, the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. That he gives his people the presence of God and the power of God. That gives us a basic framework for learning about the Holy Spirit. So with that as a backdrop, let's go to some scriptures that give us some metaphors, some word pictures that help us understand more of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in the life of a follower of Jesus. The first one that I want to show you is from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 through 14. We're going to look at this in the Barclay translation. I love how it's articulated there as it's translated from Greek to English. And it says this, And it was in Christ that it was determined that you too should become the means whereby God's glory is praised. Let's just stop right there. What a great word. This is the Apostle Paul writing to early disciples like you and me in the city of Ephesus. And he's saying that in Christ, when you come to Jesus, you are set apart. That God is going to work in your life in such a way that you, your life is the means, is the vehicle by which God's glory is going to be made known in the earth. By which God's kindness, by which God's mercy by which God's justice and his truth and his power and his goodness through your life. Last week, I talked about that we're to be a movie that demonstrates to the world the goodness of God. Here we're seeing in the gospel, that's what we're set apart for. That's our destiny, to be a movie screen through which the goodness of God is displayed. That's an exciting destiny. That's an incredible calling. Do you realize the calling on your life? Do you realize the significance of what God has invited you into to live for more than yourself? To live for more than just, well, I got a job and I kind of had a nice car and I just, I was comfortable in life. You're called to more. You're called to be a part of the story that God is telling 
in the world, the redeeming and the healing of mankind. And that happens in Christ. It says, you, you got into this, you got into Christ after you heard the word, which brings the truth, the good news of your salvation. That good news in which after you had believed, note this, pay attention right here, this is important. After you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So you receive the Holy Spirit as a gift when you come to Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus, God sends the Holy Spirit as a seal. Look at this. He's the promise. He's been promised to you the Spirit who is a foretaste and a guarantee of all that one day we will inherit until we enter into that complete redemption which brings complete possession. Wait, what's, what's that saying right there? Do you know what a foretaste is? My kids all the time, yesterday we had In-N-Out Burger, and they always want to run through the kitchen and get a little taste before the meal, right? They want to taste the fries. They want to pull a little bit of the hamburger off. They want to get an idea of what's coming, right? And it whets their appetite. And if it's good, they're like, oh, man, I can't wait for lunch. I can't wait for dinner. Dad, come on, can we, can we do this? And if it's not good, they're like, uh, you know, can we have something else, right? <laughs> it's a foretaste. The Holy Spirit. It's given to God's people as a foretaste, a taste test, an appetizer, if you will, of what's to come, of what our inheritance is. Heaven, the presence of God, new creation, new heaven, new earth. The Holy Spirit is that taste test that gives us a preview of what God has for us, the inheritance that God has given to his people. Well, that's exciting. When we experience the Holy Spirit, when we walk with the Holy Spirit, when we get to know the Holy Spirit, we're getting a taste test of all that is available to us and for us and that's in our future. Man, that gets me fired up. You guys are a little sleepy today, but I'm letting you know that's good news. That's exciting. Ephesians 5, Paul goes on to speak more about the Spirit and he gives us another metaphor, not just the, the foretaste, not just the taste test, the, the, the down payment on the inheritance that's coming our way, but he uses another metaphor. Ephesians 5.15, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. I doubt there's a person in the room that wants to live their life as an unwise person. Now, there's a person in the room here that wants to live their life as a fool, right? No, we want wisdom. He's saying, hey, be careful. I'm going to show you how to live wisely. Verse 16, make the best use of the time because the days are evil, right? We understand that the time that we live in is marked by evil. You watch the news and you just see so many grievous Things, right? And Paul's saying, hey, I want you to live as a wise person. I want you to make the best use of your time. I want you to live life to the full, right? I want you to really live, right? Because every, the days are evil. Now look how he says how to do that. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So here we see another metaphor another picture of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, right? So we see this comparison between wine and being drunk with wine. Paul says when you're drunk with wine, the fruit that that brings in your life is debauchery, a.k.a. is destruction, 
right? Personally, relationally, uh, to the people around us. When you're drunk with the wine of this world, right? The fruit that you get, you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? That's just, that's what you get, right? That's common sense. We all, we all know that, right? He's saying, don't go that way, right? But instead, be filled with the Spirit, right? So just imagine being filled, not with wine, but with the Spirit. And what happens? What's the fruit that happens when we're filled with the Spirit? It's wise living. It's fruitful living. It's abundant living. And I love just thinking about, okay, so the Holy Spirit is not just a doctrine to be understood, although that's important, but he's a gift to be received as something to go deep within us, to, to drink even as a metaphor. You think about when you're drunk with wine, your, your blood alcohol level, right, gets, gets saturated the wrong way. What might it be if we were filled with a spirit such that the spirit's presence in our lives grew and grew and grew. That's exciting. Another word picture that's, that's built in here. So when he says, be filled with the Spirit, he's using the imagery of a sailboat. If you've ever been sailing, right, you set out your sail, you want to capture the wind. The wind can be there, right? But unless it captures your sail, unless it fills your sail, you're not really going anywhere. And here he's saying, be filled. Let the sails of your life be filled with the wind of the Spirit. Have you ever been sailing? It's really fun when the wind fills your sail because you are flying and it's an incredible thing. That's another metaphor. And it's just, man, that's, that's exciting. Let's look in uh, uh, John 16 at some fruit that comes when we're filled with the Spirit. And you might be asking, well, I don't understand. How can you have the Spirit, be sealed with the Spirit, but is there a difference between that and being filled, right? Is, is, there, is there a difference? And yes, there is, right? We wouldn't have been exhorted in Scripture to be filled if we didn't need to, if there wasn't the possibility of having the Spirit but not being filled with Him. Let me give you just a practical example as we talk about this. I have four kids, as many of you know. When I come home from work most days, as soon as I walk in the door, kids come running from all four corners of the house. Hold me. Tell, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about gymnastics. Let me tell you about school. Dad, can we go play? Can we go do this? Can we go do Legos? Can we watch a show? Like all these things. I'm known. I'm recognized. I'm honored. I'm celebrated. Now, other days I can come home and there's not that pitter patter of feet. There's not that recognition. There's not that excitement. It's, well, I'm watching a show, Dad. I'll see you. Uh, you know, later, hey, hey, Dad, you know, I'm back to the show. Or I got a friend over and I'm doing this. Or, uh, you know, I'm out here, like I'm there, but I'm not recognized or known or celebrated, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit. He's in your life. But we can live without recognizing Him. We can live without honoring Him. We can live distracted and disengage with our minds and our attentions and our priorities on all sorts of other things. And we miss out on the giver of life working powerfully in our midst. 
So let's look at some of the fruit that he, that he brings. John 16, 14, he impacts our relationship with God. He helps our relationship with God grow. Jesus said this, he being the spirit will glorify me for he will take from what is mine and he will declare it to you. So when we're filled with the spirit, when we walk with the spirit, when we commune with the Spirit, when we drink deep of the Spirit, when we let the sails of our lives be filled with the Spirit, we grow in our relationship with God. We grow in knowing God in a real personal way, in a real heartfelt, authentic way. My pastor gave me this illustration years ago, and it stuck with me. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is, is like what I do with my two-year-old, which is each night, when I put him into bed, he says, Dad, snuggle me. So I get down close to him, and he wants me to put my face right by him. And he wants to feel my face. He wants to feel my stubble. He wants to kind of feel my, my breath, you know, right there close to him. And he gets to know me that way. The Spirit takes from what is Jesus, and he makes it close. And he makes it tangible, and he makes it experiential. And he helps us to know him in a greater way. The Spirit turns kind of our black and white relationship to Jesus into a color HD experience. The Spirit not only works in our relationship with God, but He's at work in our character. Galatians chapter 5 says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So when we're filled with the Spirit, you know what happens? We, we grow as people. We grow into the best version of ourselves. We grow into all that God has made us for, what He designed for us when He thought us up. The Spirit empowers us to grow. I don't know about you, but I want to grow in my character. I want to grow in my love for people. I want to grow in my joy. I want to grow in my gentleness. I want to grow in my patience. I want to grow in my kindness. I want to grow in my goodness. And I bet you do too. I bet you do too. And it's the spirit at work in our lives that transforms and grows our character. That's exciting. Next, the spirit doesn't just help us to know God more. He doesn't just transform us as people. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said that the spirit would give us power to be a witness. Acts 1, 8, Jesus said, you, my disciples, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, like their little city, and in Judea, their neighborhood, and in Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. Well, what happened to those early disciples as they were filled with the Spirit? As they were filled with the power of the Spirit, they lived boldly and fearlessly in their generation. They saw blind eyes open. They saw lame people walk. They saw the deaf raised, and they saw an empire brought to his knees, not through the power of the sword, not through backdoor political alignments, but through people giving themselves in love and service for the good of their neighbor and the glory of God. They saw the world transformed. How many of you know we need that outpouring today? How many of you know we need power from on high to be that movie that displays the glory of God? And that power comes as we're filled and filled and filled and filled. 
with the Holy Spirit. Let's read a little bit of what that looks like in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul is speaking here to the church, and he's describing what it looks like for a community to be filled with the Spirit. What it looks like for you and I as Jesus followers to be filled with the Holy Spirit in this area. He says, now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Speaking to believers, that every single one of us, that the Spirit wants to work in our lives to empower us in the area of spiritual gifts. And he goes on to describe these gifts. Verse 8, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. So we see that the work of the Spirit in the people of God is far more than goosebumps or a parking, uh, parking spot or whatever we might have thought, but it's these gifts that bring out and magnify the glory of God. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. Tertullian, who was an early church father, described the work of the Spirit in the church like this. He declared uh, shortly after the year 200 that no one can know the true church, that one can know the true church, sorry. He described that one can know the true church by its charismata, by its spiritual gifts. He mentions, among other things, prophecy, visionary experiences, spontaneous prayer, glossolalia, that's speaking in tongues, and healings as gifts of the Spirit. At the authentic church, the authentic followers of Jesus, that the gifts of the Spirit were alive in the community, that God was known and cherished, and people were helped, and the world saw what God was like through these people being filled with the Spirit. Well, man, that's exciting. That's what we want to go after as followers of Jesus in our day. We want to be a people filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to be people that, that grow in being filled with the Spirit, that we might know God more, that we want to be a people filled with the Holy Spirit, that we might be personally transformed, and we want to be a people with the Holy, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the gifts and the power of the Spirit at work in the church, that the world might see the goodness of God. So how in the world do we grow in this? How in the world does this go from more than a talk on Sunday morning, but a reality to be lived out? I want to give you three thoughts, three or four, I guess four ways in which we can grow and we can pursue this together. Number one, it's our Sunday worship times like this. This is far more than just let me check something off the box. I did my kind of good deed, my spiritual deed for, for Sunday. No, you're coming here because you're prioritizing your relationship with God. And we're creating space in our lives, not just to kind of go through the motions, but to meet with the living God together. That's exciting to think about. So we come hungry, we come expectant, and we're ready to meet with God as we worship and pray and read his word. We're doing monthly filled worship nights that you can 
take part in. It's two hours of worship and time of prayer related to the things of the Spirit because we want to create space in our lives to be filled with the Spirit. Number two, in our life groups, incredible environment to work out and walk out. What does it mean to walk with, to be filled by, empowered with the Holy Spirit? Number three, the School of Transformation and the School of Ministry. These are two semester-long schools that we run that are designed to help people like you and me be filled with the Spirit. And that might be a step for you to partake in. Number four, we're developing leaders. If you're gifted in one of these areas, like when I went through those gifts, you're like, I know that's me, and I know I have strength to contribute in this area, I want you to come find me after the service because we're exploring how we can empower more people in their giftings that we might be a community filled with the vibrancy of the Spirit. With that, let's go to God. We're going to do that by taking communion together, by celebrating who Jesus is and what He's done on our behalf. And as we take communion, we're going to remember His body broken for us, His blood poured out for us. This is a great time as you take communion to say, God, how would you have me respond? What would you want me to do with what I've received right now? We're not a passive people. We're not a people that just kind of take stuff in and then go on about our day, but we're people being transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit. This is a great time to respond. So I want to invite you to stand. The officiants will be at the four corners of the room and you can come forward when you're ready. Uh, to take communion. If you're not a Christian or you just don't really know where you're at, feel free to stay where you are. This is a space for you to meet with God. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you that you have given to your people the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us that we would be marked and filled and empowered, uh, that the sails of our lives would be filled with the winds of the Spirit, Lord, for the glory of God and for the good of all people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that encouraged you. If this message spoke to you, if God's doing something in your life, I'd love for you to send us an email and let us know. You can do that by just hitting reply on any of the emails you get from us. Wait, what's that? You don't get emails from us. Oh man, why don't you go to our website and you can sign up for our community newsletter. Once a week, you'll get updates on what's going on, what God is doing in our midst. And we would love for you to be a part. Uh, If you've enjoyed this series of podcasts, love for you to go on iTunes and leave a review. It helps other people find out uh, about this stuff. Love you guys and we'll see you next week.